Space, the final frontier. This is the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. Its mission to explore the solar system, to seek out new observations and data, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now the host of the Observer's Notebook, Tim Robertson. Welcome to episode 48 of the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I'm Tim Robertson, the host of the Observer's Notebook, and also the coordinator of the training program within the ALPO. I want to thank you for downloading and listening. The ALPO collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomenon, and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication known as the Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. This podcast depends upon donations from you, our listeners, to keep it alive. If you really enjoy what you hear on the podcast, you can donate to it via Patreon. If you want to give up to $35 a month, you receive producer credits on the podcast and also a year's membership in the AALPO. You can help us out by going to www.patreon.com slash observersnotebook. If you want to contribute to the ALPO or you just want to get our, our newsletter, you can join the ALPO for as little as $14 a year. Find us out at www.alpo-astronomy.org. You can also find the ALPO on Facebook. So just search for ALPO Astronomy. And yes, this podcast also has a Facebook page. Just search for Observer's Notebook. If you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe. That way you will never miss an episode of the Observer's Notebook. In this episode, 48, uh, we talked to Mike Reynolds. He's past executive director of the ALPO, and he's in charge of our eclipse section. All, all total and lunar eclipses, total solar and lunar eclipses uh, go through Mike, and uh, he collects all the observations and data. And today we're going to talk about a one that's going to be visible on the eastern hemisphere. For, so for those of you in the western hemisphere, you're not going to hear see this uh, total solar ecl lunar eclipse. It takes place on uh, the evening of July 27th, 2018. But uh, it's fun to listen to Mike talk about eclipses and things he likes. And also we're going to talk about the next one that's going to be visible in the U.S. So please take it a listen. And now, The Observer's Notebook. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back to the Observer's Notebook podcast. We have a special guest today, Mike Reynolds. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. Why don't you give everybody a little bit of background about yourself before we get into it? Well, thank them again for having me here. I'm um, on the board of the Association of Lunar Planetary Observers. I've been a long, long, long time planetary observer, and uh, actually my major interests... Uh, have to do with eclipses and meteorites. So today I think we're going to talk about eclipses. I've actually so much eclipse observing through my history, both solar and lunar, that, um, you know, it's like I almost live and die for seeing an eclipse. And we have a really good one coming up, Tim, which if you're in the right place, it's going to be a doozy. Man, it sounds like I'm going to be lucky enough to be in the right place this time. Yes, <laughs> you are, my friend. You timed a trip just Perfectly. I did. Anyway, this is a beautiful um, opportunity to see the longest total lunar eclipse of this century. Oh, my. Yeah, the length of totality is one hour and 43 minutes. 
And yeah, you had to do a little bit of travel, as you know, for this particular eclipse. You have to go to um, parts of Africa, most of Africa, Middle East, Southern Asia, and the Indian Ocean region. And um, you'll be treated to a really spectacular opportunity to see totality if you, if you hit that area. Yeah, I'm lucky enough. I'm going to be actually on our vacation uh, Mediterranean cruise. We're actually going to be off the coast of Corsica. Perfect. The evening of the eclipse. So that's going to be exciting on the Windstar cruise line. Absolutely perfect. So did you time that like that or just happened that? I was just going through the dates we were going to be gone and see what special events in the sky were going to be taking place. And I saw that and I went, oh, good. <laughs> we got to talk about this. I tell you what, that's absolutely perfect. So unfortunately here in the United States, we will not see anything. But again, if you're in that part of the world, uh, it's going to be a, a wonderful opportunity to see a very, very deep total lunar eclipse where, of course, the Earth, its shadow is going to be cast such that the moon will fall very, very deep in that umbral shadow and central shadow of the Earth. Okay, um, so what part, what, what are like the boundaries of where it'll be visible in the Eastern Hemisphere? Well, in the Eastern Hemisphere, you really probably need to take a look at one of these really nice eclipse maps like you'll find on the NASA site or Fred Esmanek's site. Um, but imagine central eclipses just right off the shore of the, 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 the deepest part of the eclipse, or should I say the center of the eclipse shadow, is right offshore of um, southern Africa. Um, but then again, like where you're going to be um, other places you can see parts of, it's hard to describe exactly. You have to really take a look at one of these um, maps that someone like NASA um, or Fred Espinak has put together. So I would direct everyone to take a look at one of the eclipse maps to see the actual part of the Earth that will be within the zone of totality or the various umbral penumbral contacts. Okay, I'll find one of those charts and I'll add it to the show notes so people can go there and look at where the visibility boundaries shall be. And I'm producing for the ALPO a, a, a little segment also will be on, on the um, ALPO uh, website so people can take a look at that also. Oh great, yes. When you get that done, send me the link and I'll add it to the, to the show notes. Sounds great. Now, you've seen a lot of eclipses. How many total lunar eclipses have you seen? Got less total lunars and total solars. Really? Right, right in the neighborhood of 15 total lunar eclipses. Now, are they all the same? Oh, no. Absolutely not. It's like asking, asking if all total solar eclipses are the same. Because what happens, and it's really dramatic with the total lunar eclipses, how deep does the moon go or pass within the Earth's umbral shadow, number one? And number two, the other question is, what's their atmosphere like? Is there dust from a dust storm or an ash from a volcano? All those things affect the deepness of a total lunar eclipse at totality because what happens is light will creep around the Earth's atmosphere and you'll get these shadings which you've seen during totality um, anywhere from a you know copper orangish, blood, red moon color, all the way to black. I've seen a couple of total lunar eclipses where the moon completely disappeared. Black, which is really, really rare. Most of the time you have enough light that's seeping around that you have the 
these absolutely exquisite colors, uh, but they're all different. And that's what makes total lunar eclipses so wonderful, is that the coloration will vary, and it's not always absolutely predictable how dark or how bright uh, totality will be. Now, what type of observations, because uh, you're, you're, the, you're the coordinator for the eclipse section in the ALPA, so what type of observations are you looking forward to receiving from people that see the eclipse? Well, there's a couple of different things we really would like to see. In particular, uh, I like to have um, descriptions of totality, and you can actually make estimates of the darkness of totality. You have a scale that we use, and there's also information on the ALPO website for people to download on those sort of observations. That's a Danjon scale, right? That's right. It's a Danjon scale. We also look for um, contact timings, um, and that can be anywhere from when you first see, anywhere from the penumbral to umbral contacts. Penumbral is harder to see. Penumbral contacts to crater timings as the as the shadow moves across the surface of the, of the visible moon, uh, there's a number of craters we're interested in having you time when those when the shadow touches and it covers particular craters. Yeah, I've done those in the past, and I, the, the way I can tell if an eclipse is different from one to the other is as you're timing the time the, time the shadow hits the rim of the crater, sometimes it's hard to tell because the shadow is not that clearly defined, and other times it is. So it's really interesting to see how diffuse the edge of the, the shadow is as well as it creeps across the moon. Right. And I ask everybody not to ignore the penumbral phase because the penumbral phase adds an interesting, I'm going to use the word softness, okay. uh, to the eclipse that allows you to um, see features that normally you can't see in a full moon. We also are interested, by the way, in looking for... Um, should we say events on the lunar surface there have been reports in the past that as the, as the lunar surface cools quickly that you may have some outgassing or eruptions that may occur so we want ask people to watch for those sort of phenomena as the um, shadow progresses across the surface of the moon interesting now for photography this is, uh, this is going to be uh, to photographing the Totally eclipsed moon is way different than trying to photograph the full moon. Oh, what, what tips and tricks? Because it's not really something you can practice. Well, in a sense, you can practice, but in a sense, it's already almost too late. Because I like practicing, believe it or not, photographing the full moon. But what I do is I learn to overexpose. I find out what my boundary is. What does it normally take with my particular camera and telescope? or telephoto lens to photograph, you know, the full moon. And I know that I have to have longer exposures. And that's the trick people got to understand. We're talking about exposures that can be, you know, instead of maybe, you know, you know, a fraction of a second for a full moon, to seconds for the totality phase. Because so much of the light's been cut off. And in this particular case, uh, this is probably going to be a very dark eclipse. So you're going to be um, dealing with a very um, dim object in comparison to how it normally looks. And that's one of the reasons you might need a, the ability to track, um, sort of tracking equatorial mount, or a camera where you can adjust the ISO or ASA number such that you can take 
shorter exposures, but yet adjust that ISO higher. The nice thing is you have an hour and 43 minutes of totality to make your mistakes. <laughs> that is the beauty of it, and that's one of the things that's nice about a total lunar eclipse versus a total solar eclipse. You know, when you're talking about two and a half minutes for totality, right. you, know, just, you have to be concerned about, you know, can I get those photos in in two and a half minutes versus, you know, an hour and 40 minutes. I just download yours after the eclipse. I don't bother taking pictures. <laughs> You're very smart. Very. Now, when is the next total solar lunar eclipse that we can see in the U.S.? Well, let's see here. I'm looking at my chart, and again, this is one that I'm going to have available that I've just put together of upcoming eclipses. Uh, we've got a, a total lunar eclipse of, of, that we'll be able to see um, on January 21st, 2019. Okay. And it's um, 62 minutes of totality. Which is a little shorter than this one of 103 minutes of totality, but heck, 62 minutes of totality is a nice eclipse, and um, the the moon does not pass as deep into the Earth's umbral shadow, but it should be a very nice eclipse, and it's almost dead center over um, the United States. Now, what causes the difference in the amount of times the moon's eclipsed? From how an hour and 45 to 60 minutes. It's how deep it goes into the moon passes into the umbral shadow. Imagine the umbral shadow is a big spot on the sky. And so how deep does the moon go um, into that shadow? Does it go right through the middle of the shadow? It means a longer eclipse or it just go right along the edge of the shadow, which means a shorter eclipse. So it's, 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 it's just simply a celestial mechanics... Uh, where does the Earth's umbral shadow line up compared to where the moon is passing? I see. Okay. What, what what color do you think the moon will be on this eclipse? The one in January, you'll probably have a much brighter eclipse, more of a bright coppery color. Maybe one edge of the moon will almost retain almost a pearly white color. Whereas the one that's going to happen um, in July will be a very, very dark eclipse. That's that's pretty cool. Let's see the difference in them. It is. So what it other is. things can you tell us about lunar eclipses? Well, you know, there's these historical stories which are very, very interesting, and maybe they, my favorite, because it's so awful, is the story with the total lunar eclipse that Columbus used to get the Jamaican natives to uh, provide heinous crew food and rum and so what happened is they were in Jamaica they needed this food and the Jamaican natives had basically enough of the nonsense and told Columbus that he wasn't going to get any more food or rum from them and he said okay well I'm going to make the moon disappear Columbus knew there was going to be a total lunar eclipse they said oh yeah right and so here comes the total lunar eclipse the moon slips into totality. The natives become, should I say, a little nervous. Oh because and it's okay. If you'll bring back the moon, we'll bring you whatever food and rum you need forever. And um, he said, okay, but next time it'll go away permanently. Of course, totality ended. The moon came back. And he got his food and rum. That Columbus, what a guy. No, I know. Gee, <laughs> That's one of our. I, I love sharing that story because it's 
you know, the power in a sense of understanding what's going on in the heavens and how that was used to a, a kind of an unfortunate advantage, to say the least, um, by a fairly well-known um, historical figure. Yeah, that's good. Now, are there any particular telescopes that you'd recommend using for the eclipse or binoculars? or? Well, I think it really depends on the viewer. You want a telescope that's going to give you you know, that around at least a half a degree field of view uh, when you look at the moon because you want to be able to um, be able to see the entire moon. Uh, some people just love using binoculars. Uh, I prefer actually to use a pair of binoculars or a smaller low-power refracting telescope that's a, like an apochromatic type of telescope. It gives me really good color. Mm -hmm. uh, so, it, 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 actually, any telescope will work fine. And I think it's up to the observer what he or she has and they want to observe. But the main thing is to get out and look up and see the eclipse. Good advice. Good advice. Well, so anybody that makes an observation of this eclipse, they should send them to you? Yes, please. Okay. What's your email address? My email address is m.d.reynolds, R-E-Y-N-O-L-D-S, at F-S-C-J. That's Florida State College at Jacksonville, so fscj.edu. Great. And are there observing forms that one should fill out for making the observations? They are available on the Alpha website. All right. I'll link those, too. Well, Sounds Mike, good. this is really good. I want to thank you for coming on and give us a little preview to the up upcoming total lunar eclipse. You're more than welcome, Tim, and good skies and clear skies for you as you get an opportunity to see the longest total lunar eclipse this century. Fantastic. Thanks for coming on. All right, take care now. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. Again, I want to thank Mike Reynolds for coming on and giving us a preview to the upcoming total lunar eclipse. We upload a new episode of the Observer's Notebook every few weeks. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do, please rate and review us. I do appreciate it. It brings more people to the podcast. You can now listen to us on iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, and Amazon Echo. You can support the podcast by... Do donating to it via Patreon. The link is in the show notes. With that, I want to thank the producer of this podcast, Steve Seidentop, for the generous support of the Observer's Notebook. Thank you very much, Steve. The link for Patreon as well as the link for the ALPO is in the show notes. If you want to get a hold of me, you can email me at cometman at cometman.net or on Twitter at at observersnbpod. If you want to join the ALPO, membership begins at only $14 a year. You can find out more at www.alpo-astronomy.org. Until next time, my hope is you always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening. <laughs>